Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to the first part of our Wild Card Weekend preview as our Chicago Bears will look on to take on the New Orleans Saints on Sunday afternoon. I'm Eros Littlewit, and I'm looking forward to this revisiting of the Saints because, of course, we've already met them just a couple months ago. And to help us learn more about what's going on down in New Orleans, I'm bringing back on the man, the myth, the legend, Ross Jackson, who you may remember, he's the editor over at the Canal Street Chronicles. That is the Saints SB Nation website, and he's also the host of Locked On Saints. Ross, how have you been, man? Hey, man, doing very well. Glad to be back with you, and uh, good to see you again, buddy. How you been? I've been doing all right. Obviously, we both had some interesting second halves to our seasons. The Bears going a little back and forth. We had a pretty dark stretch, kind of came to life late. We'll, we'll see what happens this week. And then for you, I know if you've been, you guys have been dealing with some injuries. We'll get some updates on that throughout. But mm-hmm. that defense has been a whole different animal since the last time we spoke. And that's exactly where I want to begin our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this defense has had its moments, right? It's had its ups and downs throughout the season. They started off being one of the teams in the NFL, allowing the most uh, allowing the most points scored per game, but still being pretty steady when it came to the yardage game. But a lot of that had to do with, uh, you know, penalties and red zone defense and things like that. So the yardage didn't necessarily tell the full story where they were struggling on defense here over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, you look at the first uh, seven games, the first eight weeks, the Saints uh, ended up averaging, allowing 29.2 points per game. Now, over the last nine games, we've only allowed 15.2 points per game. So they're in a much better situation now, wrapping up the season as one of the top five scoring defenses and top five across multiple categories as well. And again, there's been some hot and cold there. Takeaways, things like that have varied at certain times, uh, but certainly they have... Uh, built up a lot of confidence going into the playoffs i'll say okay so since the last time we played you guys i see 20 mm-hmm. takeaways from that defense that's mm-hmm. scary and i see what um only four i see four times where our opponents scored only single digits like that's incredible yep. obviously 15 points per game allowed on average over this recent stretch for you guys that's mm-hmm. that's a huge number like if yeah. you're holding teams to 15 and you have drew Brees at quarterback I don't think I need to express to Bears fans how lethal that can be going up against any team. What's been, I guess, the driving force forces behind this turnaround? 
Yeah, I would say that uh, Quan Alexander played a really big role. He unfortunately was injured in the Minnesota Vikings game and is going to be out for uh, well the rest of the playoffs. I mean, he he's done for the season. It was an Achilles tear, unfortunately. But he essentially came in and helped to sort of recultivate some of those nickel linebacker assignments. And you know, him working next to Demario Davis, they really sort of changed the way and the flow that that defense and the way that they all kind of worked together symbiotically, particularly over the middle of the field, the Saints have gotten really efficient at taking away the short and intermediate areas of the field. And then by doing that, forcing quarterbacks to either have to throw into tight windows in those areas, which of course you have guys like Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins, Marshall and Lattimore, who they would love for you to throw those shallow crosses. They would love for you to throw those out routes because that's opportunities for them to jump and potentially uh, take the ball away. Or you have to force the, or you end up forcing those quarterbacks to sit back, hold on, to the ball and wait for the deeper route concepts to develop but they've done a really good job at shoring up the backside of course with uh, Marcus Williams who has been playing really really well he's been injured over the past couple of weeks and he would definitely be somebody to watch on the injury report this week heading into this uh, first wild card round and on top of that this defense I'm sorry it just really fascinates me the no. type of turnaround that they've had entering mm-hmm. the previous matchup you and I discussed they had the fourth worst defense on third down now they finished the NFL as ranked the ninth defense on third down. So in order to go from the fourth worst to the ninth best, you almost have to be the best third down defense in order to kind of make that leap. What's been behind that? Obviously, you may have hit on a few of those right now, but is there anything else that's been? Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. And allowing the defense to get off the field on third down better than early on this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think having a 13 and a half sack edge rusher certainly helps, right? In terms of just it, it, even even just beyond not even actually getting after the quarterback, but knowing that that defender is there for a quarterback on a third down. Uh, guys like C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Malcolm Jenkins who can blitz from the safety position, that has definitely been a big part of it as well. Uh, and, you know, the other part of it, too, is that we have to we got to be honest, too. We can look at all the positives of this team, but we can also hedge a little bit because you can look at the fact that they played against a Kendall Hinton, who was a practice squad wide receiver coming in and playing quarterback for the Denver Broncos. But at the same time, they also held the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense and Tom Brady to only three points in a primetime game. And you saw them do a really good job against Patrick Mahomes, allowing only a 55% completion percentage. You saw them struggle a little bit against Kirk Cousins. So there have been some of these ups and downs. They are a highly variant team. Uh, For most of the season, they've been at the top of the league in terms of DVOA per football outsiders, but have been toward the bottom of the league in terms of variance. And so on a game-to-game basis, you can sort of see a different New Orleans Saints team sometimes, particularly on the defensive side. So there are some additional realities to it in terms of level of competition, but nonetheless, their production on the field, uh, you can only really hedge it so much. It has been impressive what this defense has been able to do, what Dennis Allen has done. And I think that's all been a big part of why they've uh, been able to jump, make that leap uh, on third down conversion percentage in particular. They still have some things to work on, though, like red zone percentage in particular. Right. Is there any issues in a red zone? It's confusing to me, right? You see them getting off the field on third down, getting these takeaways. I know they had a few key red zone takeaways last week against Carolina, but what's going on inside the 20? 
Yeah, I mean they've got so they've got a little bit of momentum there. They got five interceptions in this last uh, week up against uh, both Teddy Bridgewater and PJ Walker. They faced both those quarterbacks against Carolina in Carolina. Uh, two interceptions in the end zone, which is always helpful. And it was more than just a player being in the right place at the right time. Grant Haley played a really great, uh, really really great assignment based uh, rep up against. Uh, a it was a trips formation on the right side he was lined up over a slot and he had a zone match uh, uh assignment to where he was supposed to take the out breaking route as opposed to the in breaking route the slot guy went inside so he dropped back and helped to cover ian thomas on the corner route played it perfectly did a really good job there so just assignment sound football has been a big part of when they do see success in the red zone when they don't see success in the red zone it is not assignments uh, assignment sound <laughs> football at all it's a lot of play action um, rollouts a lot of play action in particular in the red zone gives them a lot of trouble eye discipline has been an issue for them some depth by any of those flat defenders has been an issue so any of those outside breaking tight ends in particular which i know that there are a, a few of those in chicago that can do that and particularly also some guys that can do that from out of the backfield as well that's areas where they have some trouble particularly when paired with a play action rep now when i look at this defense i know you mentioned there's been injuries on both sides of the ball and we'll have to talk about those because player availability in the playoffs is everything uh, mm-hmm. When I'm looking at this defense, you mentioned safety, you know, Gardner Johnson, Swearinger, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Williams, they're all potential to return. I'm curious your thoughts. Who do you think will return this week and who would perhaps provide that defense its biggest boost? Yeah, well, I got to tell you, there's absolutely no way C.J. Gardner-Johnson misses a rematch with Javon Wims. There's no <laughs> way he's not going to be on the field. He's right? definitely going to be there ready to I saw that on Twitter. It didn't take long. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. Oh, they're coming to the Dome? Mm-hmm. Great. Like, he, he's 100% there for that. Um, Marcus Williams is the big one to watch over on the defensive side, for sure. Uh, he has played such an incredible brand of football this year, and I, I think he's always going to be remembered for one play, the Minneapolis Miracle. That's always going to be the thing that he he's remembered for. But his play on the back end of the defense this season has just been remarkable. He ends up being involved in plays that he has no business even getting to but his range is so ridiculous um i I compare him a lot to to eddie jackson eddie jackson does the same thing he eddie jackson gets into plays that no other safety outside of maybe marcus williams at this point would be able to get into just with the ranginess that they both have and so i'm a big fan of what uh, marcus williams has put together and put on tape so far this season he was dealing with an ankle injury uh, that happened during the minnesota game so he was out for the carolina panthers game to wrap up the season and hopefully he'll be back for the saints over on the defensive side dj swearinger the saints can can operate without him he's their key dime back uh whenever they're on third downs or or they're facing um two-minute drills Uh, They tend to live in dime packages for that with three down linemen. So he's a big part of what they do on defense situationally, but they have enough players to fall back on to be able to fill that spot if they need to. Follow-up question. Talk about going Mm -hmm. into dime a lot, going with the three down linemen. Are they able to execute on that just due to the fact that they can still get the pass rush from those three down linemen compared to other teams like the Bears right now who are having a hard time getting there at four, perhaps five at sometimes? Yeah, good question. Uh, to, to be fair, anytime that I mean, the answer is yes. But the caveat being that anytime that they have three down linemen, they're usually blitzing somebody. So they're okay. usually still rushing for in that situation. So I don't want to give them too much credit, but they do a good job with three down linemen and a blitzer still putting pressure. So what they'll do is they'll have those three down linemen. And then they'll have, you know, somebody at the nose tackle and they'll have two people either line up wide nine or five tech right up over the top of the t- uh, over the top of the offensive tackles. And then they'll use the two linebackers to kind of 
threaten the A gap right up the middle. And then they'll bring Janoris Jenkins and CJ Gardner Johnson for the sake of conversation on the outside of the defensive end. So they'll put seven up on the line of scrimmage. Four will rush and three will drop back, but they change the configuration of who does what every time, including sometimes blitzing a safety and a linebacker and dropping one of the defensive backs, excuse me, defensive linemen into coverage as well, kind of a fire blitz that way. So they vary up what those looks are a lot, and that's one of the reasons that they're able to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Sounds like, I mean, I, I, not that I was confused listening to it, but just thinking right. about all the different possibilities as an offensive lineman, having to account for all the different combinations that can come your way and how your assignment can shift based yeah. off of who is coming and where they're coming from. That seems like it could obviously be a big reason, again, for that defensive success uh, that we've been talking about. But Ross, let's switch over to this offense real quick. Sure. And I believe that the biggest questions on everyone's mind this week is the availability of Michael Thomas and Alvin Uh Kamara. I know Thomas, he missed a lot of time this year. We didn't see him Mm -hmm. the first time out. He also went back in IR. What I can tell from my vantage point, the Saints are hoping and expecting to have him back. I don't want to say too much. You're here to verify that. Um, But uh, with COVID and Kamara, since this game's on Sunday, you lucky, lucky team, you. I know, I know. (laughs) You know, again, the NFL is friendly. They want to have these games with their their best players on the field, especially in the playoffs. So I understand it, although it really hurts my soul uh, that we could have had a Saturday game and that could have helped things. Uh, We have an injury on defense on our side I'll talk about in a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, with these two big-time playmakers back into the offense this week, presumably, you can let me know. Uh, what's the mindset surrounding this offense? Because they've had so much uh, inconsistency with playmakers, but to get two of your best ones back with Drew Brees as well, this will be his fourth game back from IR. Everything sounds like and looks like it should be back in output full force. Yeah, I, I, it's crazy. This We may finally get to see the New Orleans Saints have their at least 90% of their arsenal available on offense. They're still going to be without Traquan Smith, no matter what. We'll see what happens with Josh Hill. Those guys aren't household names, but they're huge in the run game. Um, They may end up being without Taysom Hill. He'll be somebody to watch as well. But when it comes to the biggest superstars that they have, uh, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, the expectation is that they will be on the field on Sunday. Uh, Michael Thomas is almost a sure thing. Um, He's somebody that, you know, they put on injured reserve with three games left in the season, specifically with the intent to bring him back for the wild card round if they played uh, or whenever they did play, whatever their first uh, playoff game was going to be. And then Alvin Kamara, who missed last week with the, the COVID diagnosis at this point has not exhibited any symptoms at all, meaning that he should indeed be available to them on Sunday as expected. However, he'll have to play without practice. And look, if there's, you know, a couple of guys that can come in and just be a part of this team and, and do what they need to do without practice, it's Alvin Kamara and it's it's Michael Thomas, you know, who are just as important to this offense as Drew Brees is, I would say. But this would be the first time that we have seen Drew Brees and Michael Thomas together since they've only played 10 quarters together over the course of the entire 17 game season or excuse me, 17 week season. So they haven't been on the field a ton together. So there's going to be some some, you know, potential communication things that need to get worked out all that so the quicker they can iron that out the better so at least they'll have practice alvin Kamara is expected to be there but the team will have to make a decision about how they feel 
with him going out there without any practice. But I imagine if he's available, you play him. Right. I, I don't know with some of his caliber. He gets to be a part of all the, the Zoom meetings, so he can yes. he knows the game plan. He knows what he's doing. Yep. And he's just someone, you put the ball in his hand and you just, you just let him go to work. So it, I, yeah, I too... I, that's fair. Like the, the moment that the ball is in his hands, what the play was no longer matters. Like exactly. He's just creating at that point. So it's, I'm... I'm worried you shouldn't be uh, when it comes to that one. <laughs> With Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, that's a really interesting point. The 10 quarters, do you have any fears about lack of chemistry, anything of that nature? Obviously, practice is different than games, but with their right. long-standing history. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I, I wouldn't expect it to be much of a factor. Yeah, it, it, feels, it feels foolish to say that I feel concern about it you know what i mean because of what they've done together and what their resume is and stuff like that but just as a just you know just looking at it from a real from a realistic standpoint there will probably be some irons that have to wrinkle out now how quickly they wrinkle themselves out will be will be the the thing to see but you know they see coverages the same way they communicate the same way they see the same thing on the field as long as that 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 type of chemistry and connection continues to happen to where uh, all right, they're in cover three, which means you're running this route. And because Drew Brees doesn't throw two receivers, he throws the spots on the field. It's yes. one of the reasons why he doesn't throw as many interceptions because of the fact that he's not trying to, you know, shoehorn things in or, or, or throw in tight windows and things like that. He's throwing to areas of the field that he knows are going to be open. So it's up to the receivers to be on the same page. You've seen some inconsistency in that with, say, Jared Cook, for instance, where one's expecting one thing while the other does another. You probably won't see as much of that for Michael Thomas, but if you saw it early, I wouldn't be entirely surprised by it. It just comes down to how quickly they can they can sort of iron out those difficulties. For sure. Uh, speaking of Breeze, I mentioned this will be his fourth game back after he was on IR for just a little bit. Mm -hmm. What have you seen out of him and his return, and how is he trending right now heading into the playoffs? He's been an interesting watch. I don't know how they augmented him during those four weeks off. I don't know what they installed in his arm or, or whatever, but all of a sudden he is incredibly aggressive and he's, you know, he's taken some shots downfield. He had a 50, 50 plus air yard completion, not from the line of scrimmage, but from the point that he threw it up against Kansas city in his first game back uh, up against Minnesota. He completed more passes and attempted more passes 11 to 20 yards down the field than he did within 10 yards down the field for the first time in like two seasons. And so it was a really, really kind of interesting thing to see him come back and just immediately kind of be this aggressor they're running a lot more play action with them than they usually do so there's some of the Taysom Hill reps over the four games that Taysom Hill played some of that has informed what this offense looks like now with Drew Brees under center with the ability to you know a different type of decision maker a quicker processor all of those things just simply I mean you know when you play 20 years of NFL versus four games of NFL at quarterback you can do those things right. uh, so he, he's been really aggressive since coming back and I think it's a welcome sight Good. Uh, again, keep, <laughs> loving it. Love hearing it. Not so much, but uh, on top of that, you talked about Hill. How big of a mm -hmm. loss would it be if he can't play for you guys? He had a touchdown against us, a receiving one. Feels like mm -hmm. some of those X-factor type of players do give this Bears defense some fits. I'm just curious from your vantage point, 
obviously, when you have a season without Drew Brees for a while, Michael Thomas for a while, last week, whatever the heck happened with your backfield for a while, just due with the right. COVID and the tracing, feels like this team is built to overcome being out without any player. Yeah, I, I have strongly regarded this team as the deepest in the NFL and, and the most complete in the NFL, which doesn't always translate to wins, but their ability to go out there and mesh with one another with players that have never seen the field before. Grant Haley going out there and getting an interception in his first career game a day after being called up from the practice squad, running zone match assignments perfectly. Like that, all of that is is a testament to the coaching staff for the Saints. And and the coaching staff for the Saints, particularly on the offensive side, loves to be able to, you know, introduce Taysom Hill at any point that they can, whether it's a third down in the red zone or whatever, particularly close to the 50-yard line to where they could potentially take a shot downfield with him. His four games as a quarterback make him even more dangerous because there's not as much of a foregone conclusion about him as a runner with the ball in his hands at quarterback. So all of that certainly helps. If they don't have him, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I mean, can they can they still produce without him? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you have guys like Adam Troutman who came on as sort of this unexpected rookie tight end blocker. And as you know, tight end is a tough uh, mm -hmm. position to translate quickly in the NFL. And he's done a very good job doing that. Um, if they got Josh Hill back, but didn't have Taysom Hill, that would certainly help as somebody that can be in the backfield, uh, getting Michael Burton back definitely helps with that. The full back. So yeah, we know all him. of that. Yep. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Michael Burton, man. And great guy. And I love the way. Yeah. Um, he's a really good dude. And so all of that certainly helps, but just in terms of the, you know, that's a whole section of the playbook that you lose if you don't have Taysom Hill in the game so i mean it has an effect can they supplement it yes absolutely like they can work without Taysom hill as their tight end three or tight end two but it's still like that's that's a huge portion of, of of that playbook all of a sudden gone yeah it does take away some of the wrinkles and some of that element right, exactly. of the unknown uh, and again yep. but also not having him, I think, creates a lot of unknown for the Bears, too, in terms of if you wanted uh, to give some other players some different types of looks. I think right. that could it could be a, a weird benefit uh, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, Ross, one player I haven't heard you mention, which kind of surprised me. Uh, we didn't have him in the last game either, but he's here. Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, yeah. so he's having about 74 uh, yards receiving per game since Breeze's return. Michael Thomas's return should help him get better with looks and coverage. Mm -hmm. Uh, what have you seen out of him lately? And do you have any, I guess, expectations for him this week? Yeah, I mean, I think he has to be a big part of the game plan again, just like he was last week against Carolina. Uh, he's been a huge piece since Drew Brees came back. I mean, he was he was big before that, obviously. But in particular, over the last quarter of the season, he's been somebody that Drew Brees has relied on, has trusted. You know, they force-fed him in the last game against Carolina because they were trying to get him his uh, $500,000 bonus. He was eight catches away. And so everybody knew, let's get Emmanuel Sanders his catches. <laughs> so that's and what so it was. They did that. Yeah. So there was a okay. lot of that that went on. Uh, but still, that chemistry and that trust is absolutely there. And it opens up having Michael Thomas there because Michael Thomas is going to shade a lot of coverage. It's going to cause defenses to shade a lot of coverage his way. And you've seen players like um, Traquan Smith, for instance, be able to take advantage of that. I think that Emmanuel Sanders should be able to do the exact same. And Emmanuel Sanders, of course, was the target of the big 51-yard pass down the field by Drew Brees in the Kansas City game. The reason why I bring that up is not because as to say, hey, he's going to be this deep shot machine the entire time. But that entire play came down to Drew Brees and Emmanuel Sanders being on the same page because they were able to quick snap Kansas City, get them off access on defense. And Emmanuel Sanders knew, I just need to run down the field and Drew's going to find me. And being on the same page like that, having that communication, if there's any struggles with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, having that communication with Emmanuel Sanders helps to alleviate some of that. 
It sure does. Now, my biggest concern heading into this game, I have a few, but my biggest one <laughs> is right now the availability of Roquan Smith. Uh, he did sure, hurt his elbow yeah. in the pri- previous game. We're unsure if he can give it a go this week and really the extent of this injury just yet. And when I look at the previous matchup, I know Kamara, he had 170 total yards in that matchup, mm-hmm. and that was with Roquan. And mm-hmm. now without him, I mean, that puts a huge hole in that defense, and I don't think you have the speed to even match up with number 41 for the Saints. And on top of that, too, I don't know if you've seen what Green Bay was able to do this defense and how they exploited the coverage and things of that nature. Yeah. But from your perspective, if Roquan is out with Drew Brees under center, does that allow them to have the whole playbook wide open, almost just play their game to see if the Bears can stop it? Because that's what I would do. Yeah, it, it certainly plays to their advantage. Uh, it certainly plays to the Saints' advantage because the, the Saints are going to want to attack over the middle of the field. They're going to want to attack, you know, death by paper cuts type of type of stuff uh, over the middle of the field as well as short and intermediate. Like, they, they want to be able to live there and not having Roquan Smith on the field, who I believe deserves more conversation as one of the absolute best linebackers in the NFL, if not the best. Uh, I'm such a I, – I love his game. I love what he does. He has been extraordinarily consistent. And he's an eraser for guys like Alvin Kamara. Not maybe not Alvin Kamara, but for guys like Alvin Kamara. Right. Uh, and so if he's on the field, it definitely you know takes away some of those options over the middle. But if he's not there, then it allows the Saints to really play to their strengths in the passing game in particular. Let's put the shoe on the other foot. What's your biggest mm-hmm. concern heading into this game? Biggest concern for me is just going to be the offensive line for the Saints matching up against uh, matching up against Chicago's defensive line. I, I don't think that that's ever not going to be a concern. Um, they they handled themselves pretty well the last time these two teams played, but for the most part, you know we've seen some ups and downs and inconsistencies along the Saints' offensive line. They're playing incredible right now, but at what point does the bottom fall out, if at all? Can they maintain that level of production? Those are the questions that I have about the Saints coming into this one. They need to be able to win on that offensive line, uh, and they need to be able to, over on the defensive side, not, and I talked about this in the last matchup against Chicago, and the Saints, of course, went on and did exactly what I asked, what I had hoped that they wouldn't do, uh, which is that they granted Green Bay a passing offense. They were able to attack down the field. Nick Foles was able to, to dice them up in certain areas of the field and everything, and there was a lot of trouble for the Saints in, in the passing defense in particular. They have had moments to where like the first seven or so games of the season, they only had four interceptions. Then they went over the course of four games to get nine interceptions. Then they went four more games with zero interceptions and they finished up the season with five in a single game. So can they continue that momentum, right? Moving forward here into, into the playoffs, or do we see another one of those lull, uh, you know, kind of lulls in the defense. And if that's the case, it's good. It could potentially make it a little bit more troublesome than it needs to be. Would you rather face Trubisky or Foles? I think I'd rather face Trubisky. If if I'm being completely honest, um, I, I'm you know I, I, if you look at his uh, his passing chart from last week, oh, yeah. it was yeah I'm sure you've seen it. I mean it was the one deep pass, and then it was like you know however many passes all right around the line of scrimmage. I think that, that plays to the Saints' range uh, and ability at the second level, in particular with Demario Davis and even Alex Anzalone in in place of Quan Alexander. It also plays their ability with those safeties that operate the box slot, CJ Garner-Johnson and Malcolm Jenkins. So uh, I'm I'm fine with that being the matchup for them. Uh, Nick Foles has his, you know, legend of being this playoff guy, you know, when, when it really matters. And so I'd rather keep that reputation at bay and then go ahead and face the more in playoff, like, you know, playoff inexperience. Yes, I understood. I mean, I, I guess your career starts and everything could be, Almost on par. Actually, that's a good one right. to kind of consider here. But uh, on top of that, so you talked about Trubisky or not. So 
so you saw the passing chart too. And see, yes. I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it because watching the right. game, I understood what they're trying to do. Really slow drives mm-hmm. to that clock. So I understand yeah. it. But then a part of me and my brain says, but are you also playing scared that way? Even if it's right. scared for Aaron Rodgers, scared for Trubisky to take a shot, could be a combination of the two. So I'm still conflicted myself. And it's been a couple of days and I'm still trying to wrestle with my overall opinion of what they were trying to accomplish on, yeah, on offense this last game. Yeah, I, we've seen the Saints do something that was, you know, pretty, pretty essential to that. Uh, or excuse me, essential. Uh, that seems like pretty uh, familiar to that in, in past games. The difference is that the defense has to be complementary to it, right? Like if that's the yep. idea that you're going to go out there and you're going to hold on to the ball and you're going to chew those up and you're going to take a couple of, you know, five play drives, but if you can take a couple minutes off with each of those and you're okay with that and play close to the line of scrimmage, the defense has to be able to make stops and has to be able to get you the ball back as well. And we saw the Saints do things like that up against Green Bay, up against uh, the Los Angeles Raiders, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, and and lose both of those games, right? Because the defense wasn't able to hold up its end of the bargain. So it has to be a complimentary football conversation. And so that's my thing is, can, can the Saints defense not grant that offense to them? And then can the Saints offense take advantage of a defense that's going to be looking to try to get the ball back into the hands of an offense that wants to play ball control? Good, good stuff there, Ross. I'm curious what your thoughts on Will Lutz. Seems like he's on a weird struggle bus. Is that something that we should yeah. buy into or is this is this real? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's strange, right? Because in the same game, he missed the extra point, but then, and, and this is after a couple of other like misses over the course of the last few weeks and things like that. So it's been really uncharacteristic football when it comes to uh, Will Lutz, particularly going back to as early as the Philadelphia game where he missed a pair, uh, one of them 57 yards away, but you know, one of them that essentially helped to create the difference in the game earlier on in, in the uh, first half, I believe. And so I think there's concern in terms of like, you don't want to see that happen again, but am I, am I fearful that it will continue? Not so much. I think being in a dome helps. Uh, I think that this being the first time these two teams meet uh, in seemingly ages in the, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome since the white shoe incident. Uh, this is the first time these two teams will meet in the playoffs in the Superdome as well and, and at home for the Saints. So, uh, you know, I give the benefit of the doubt to Will Lutz based on his his overarching career track record, but certainly there have been some concerning visuals of him over the past few games. Okay, obviously different fan bases remember different games for different reasons. What is the white <laughs> shoe incident? The white shoe incident was the blocked field goal that, uh, oh, that was a Denver Broncos game. That wasn't even a Chicago. The wrong Bears blue game. and orange, I, man. Yeah, wrong blue and orange. Wrong blue and orange. My <laughs> the last so time, the last yeah. time I remember the Bears playing in the dome was the game where our tight end at the time, Zach Miller, had that right. very bad yes. leg injury oh, that he had a. What a rough. Yeah, that's the last no. memory I have. Obviously, Bears fans have really good memories of that stadium going way back to 1985 but it's been now i feel now i feel remarkably insensitive for calling it the white shoe incident that's why i thought i was like was he wearing white shoes i was like what ross you're a good guy so i know that wasn't the case (laughs) but i was like let's clarify this (laughs) wrong wrong (laughs) blue and orange man (laughs) (laughs) all right is there is there anything else um about the saints uh and what's been you know changing over there since last time that we faced you that bears fans should know about that maybe we haven't discussed 
Um, not necessarily. I mean, look, I think that the Saints are, are going to come in with a similar game plan. You know, if Alvin Kamara is there and able to play, they're going to feed him. If he's not, then it'll be another Latavius Murray game like we saw in 2019 uh, during the regular season to where they'll try to feed him. Uh, I don't know that the Saints will play as conservative at home uh, in terms of trying to control the the game clock. Uh, I think that they may be a little bit more aggressive, especially if Roquan Smith isn't available, which is going to be a huge factor uh, for both of these teams in terms of how they approach this game. And I think that the Saints are going to welcome a ball control look from uh, Chicago. But if not, and they do decide to get aggressive, then the Saints need to you know, not give them that offense, right? They need to be able to play up to the standard that they've set here recently uh, and at different points throughout the season, although, again, has been inconsistent. So you want to see them show up and, and do all that. So I think that th- this game is played similarly than the last time that we saw, maybe a little bit more aggressive for the Saints over on the offensive side, getting Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. I think this is the first time that, the that the Bears will face Drew Brees and Michael Thomas together since that 2017 game, if I remember correctly. I think each time either Bru- after either Brees has been out or Thomas has been out. I think so too. Oh, I think why haven't right. we been? Um, I guess now it makes sense why you're going to get all the breaks now in terms of our availability. We've already we've had our chances with the Saints. <laughs> yeah, and we've, now it's we've, your turn. We've, yeah, we've we've we punched our card. You know. Yep. <laughs> That's <right>. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> All right, I just got my last question. It's a two-parter. Yeah. You know it. You've been here before. Why did the Saints win on Sunday? Yeah, so uh, the Saints win on Sunday by remaining aggressive, and they win because they're able to make good on that. Uh, they're uh, able to find different ways to spread the ball around, get a bunch of players involved over on the offensive side as opposed to the offense you know, funneling through one specific player. And if it does funnel through one specific player, then it's because Alvin Kamara scores six touchdowns again. <laughs> And then, of course, the flip side, how can the Bears pull? I, I think the biggest egregious loss I've seen for you guys recently would be the Eagles. So how can the Bears yeah. pull Philadelphia, do a Philly special here, and find themselves victorious moving into the divisional round? Yeah, uh, hit Drew Brees and take advantage of eye discipline issues over on the Saints uh, defensive side. I mean, use Trubisky's mobility, uh, use misdirection, use anything, you know, play action, uh, boot action, all of that to be able to take advantage of of that and utilize a lot of uh, motion before the snap to try to confuse the Saints defense in terms of what they're looking at pre-snap and then what they're delivered post-snap. All right, that's all I got for you, man. Thank you so much for hopping on. Ross Jackson, do you want to let people know how to follow you uh, this week as well? I know you let people know before, but we got to let people know again if they want to keep up on all things Saints heading into this game. I know I will be. I'm sure our listeners want to as well. So how can people find you to keep up? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, man. As always, a pleasure to be here with you. Always a blast. Uh, And I I love the work that y'all are doing. So just glad to be able to be a part of it. Uh, Y'all can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson. NOLA, that's the easiest way to keep up with the litany of things that I'm going to be doing uh, over the course of this week. Uh, We've got a lot coming out over at CanalStreetChronicles.com and, of course, on the podcast, which is daily every Monday through Friday, Locked on Saints. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. You know, after everything we discussed, the one phrase that's in my head is death by paper cuts. I've never heard it, heard it, and I wrote it down. I'm like, I'm going to remember that one. It's really neat. So thank you for adding more uh, phrases to my vocabulary as well. Anytime. Anytime. It's my (laughs) absolute pleasure. I love a good lexicon. (laughs) Right. There we go. Uh, Up next will be Nick and I's official game preview where we share our key stats, matchups, X factors, and more, including our playoff predictions. And make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts. That way we can help spread the word about our show, reach more Bears fans just like you. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep, all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.